You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Welcome to another episode of Your Queer Story. We are your host. I am the empty protein bottle that you left in your gym bag too long, Evan Jones. And I am the empty Red Bull can in the back of your car, Paul Hobbs. And we're excited to be back for another episode. We want to take this time to thank our fans because currently we have hit over 600 downloads on iTunes, meaning we're on our way to our first goal of 1,000. So thank you so much to everyone who has downloaded our podcast. Please continue to do so. It really helps us out. Also, we have recently launched our Your Queer Story support group on Facebook, as well as our Instagram, which features our listeners all around the world and their stories. If you're interested in submitting your story, then reach us, reach out to us on Facebook or through our website at yourqueerstory.com slash contact. Yes, yeah, that's right. Reach out. Let us know. We can put your story out there. We're starting a whole a newer thing, which is something we want to do all, to, all, all along. It's a new wave of sharing stories. So if you want to get your story out there, that's a good way to do it, to share your queer story. And we are branding our Instagram as the hashtag wall of pride. Yeah. So get on that wall. Um, and one final announcement before we launch into the episode, we want we uh, make mistakes. I know you guys are super shocked because we're pretty perfect, but occasionally we mess up and we are happy to address them and correct them when we can and we usually do this through our social media. So if you follow us, you can see any corrections we've made. And the wonderful thing about this podcast and our Your Queer Story platform as a whole is that we can all grow and learn together. Paul and I both have learned a lot about our own community, including uh, proper terminology, current political issues, and of course, lots and lots of history. And we've done this, and as as we've done this, we've said some things we didn't realize could be offensive, or we spread the wrong message, and we are working on that. But like we said, we're working on it, (laughs) and we hope that our learning experience can help others as well. And also, we do want to make it clear that this is an LGBTQ history community comedy podcast yes um so we do make some jokes and we try to make sure that none of them are offensive um but if you do take offense to something we do apologize because we are not trying to be offensive we're trying to make every episode entertaining and fun and as lighthearted as possible yes very lighthearted so if you want real serious um history i maybe get a book (laughs) go to the library (laughs) go to the library do some research on your own there's other people out there but i mean we we do present the facts but we present them in a very lighthearted manner and we're not doing that to make fun of anybody we're just doing that because that's what we do that's how we approach life you know like these are the facts we joke around when we can and we just try to have a good time and make history fun because a lot of people just don't find history fun i don't know why i love history but 
I, it's fun if it's presented in the proper format. <laughs> Which is why you should listen to us. That's right. <laughs> so let's get into today's episode, Hollywood's Double Standard. Uh, this is a topic discussion, and it happens to be pretty relevant to a current story that broke this past week. If you follow any LGBTQ plus news sources or even entertainment sites, then you may have heard that Scarlett Johansson was cast to play transgender man Dante Tex Gill in the upcoming movie Rub and Tug. There's many reasons that this is an issue, the main being a cisgender woman is playing a transgender man, perpetuating the idea that this man is really just a woman in masculine clothing. Or in roles where cis men play trans women, such as Matthew Bomer, did I say that right? Yep. Okay. Yes. Yay! And Jared Leto, uh, where they walk across a stage in a tux to receive an award for playing the role of a woman. At the end of the day, those trans characters in history are reduced to men in dresses or women who tried to be men instead of the valid woman and men they really are. Another issue that arises is the fact that LGBTQ plus actors and actresses are denied roles that should be played by queer individuals. It is similar to the whitewashing that happens in movies all the time. Yeah, so this is a big issue and we continue to progress in Hollywood, but it's true. Like, uh, you know, it was some people said, why does it matter, right? Like, just let the role go to the best actor or actress. If they happen to be cisgender, if they happen to be straight, who cares? Well, there's certain roles that just shouldn't be played by cisgender individuals, certain roles that just shouldn't be played by a straight person. It's similar to if you um, cast a white actor to play the role of Martin Luther King Jr. Or imagine Leonardo DiCaprio being a cast to play Obama in a movie. Exactly. It's like you could say, yes, this is a phenomenal actor. He's great. Maybe he does the role perfectly, but you know what? He's not a black man, so he's not going to be able to put in, he's not going to have the experience that a black man would have, and he's certainly not going to portray it properly doesn't matter how great of an actor or an actress they are and with transgender people especially like we said it's it's like you can even with Matthew Bomer he's an openly gay actor but he played a trans woman and he'll walk across that stage and he'll accept an award for his role as a trans woman and at the end of the day people look and they're like yeah trans women are just men and you know they're just men you know it's a man in a, a, man in a dress it's make-believe it's make-believe. You're not really a man. You're not really a woman. That's why they had a man play your role. That's why they had a woman play your role. And so it's, you know, it, it's not about who's a valid actor. They're, first of all, it also perpetuates the lie that there aren't any LGBTQ characters. There's no trans men that would uh, that could do that role. I'm thinking of several char- um, actors right now that would could do a great job in that role. Uh, I forgot his name. Elliot something. He plays like every trans guy in every movie um he's on shameless he was on um he was on what was that uh oh i was just faking it Did yes, you ever watch yep, faking yep, it? it was very good yeah i love faking it he played the trans guy on there he's a transgender actor and he's phenomenal there's a lot of good actors and actresses out there and they're not given the roles and they're not given the platform and the and the lie is that they're just not you know good enough for it and that's just bullshit yes um and there's also the ideology that they try to spread that Hey, you know what? We just don't have any. We don't have any transgender right. actors. There Nobody are... <laughs> tried out. <laughs> there are a ton. There are more than enough. There are more than enough that are qualified, skilled enough. They just are not given the opportunity that yeah. they should be given. Well, Hollywood as uh, an industry has always been disproportionately towards queer actors and actresses ever since its formation like there's a higher amount of queer individuals working in hollywood than there would be in any other industry you know if you put the percentage and this you know um 
with the ratios next to each other. Like there's just a lot of queer people are in the arts. I and 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 Hollywood is part of that. So it's just like we said, it's just lies and there's a lot of you know, um so it, it it's hurting Hollywood, which in some ways helps has helped the LGBTQ community communities. Um it also is hurting us in this way because there's perpetuating these lies. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it wasn't always like this, though. When motion pictures first came about, Hollywood was pretty damn gay. The 1920s were a grand time to be a homosexual star. Early movies were very homoerotic and pushed the boundaries of gender roles. Seeing two men kiss or a woman in men's clothing, quote-unquote, was common during the silent era. In the 1927 film Wings, two men share a very intimate and passionate moment, complete with one lying in the arms of the other as they kiss over and over and confess their feelings to each other. Of course, there was a lot about early Hollywood that pushed against social norms. Women drank and smoked on TV. They wore in modest dresses and occasionally even pants, if you can believe it. And men were known to play effeminate characters and weren't subjected to ridicule. That weren't subjected to ridicule. Um, later on, we'll see. We see that you know men were often the effeminate men were often made fun of. But in the early 1920s, they weren't. Effeminate characters later on would be ridiculed. We'll see um, Bob Hope and Bill... Um, I want to say Bill Cosby. It's not Bill Cosby. <laughs> Bill Cosby was an actor in the 1920s. Uh, Bing Crosby, know. that's why. Bing Crosby. Different he guy. is actually also a vampire, just like Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, you got to go back and listen to our Puritans episode for that inside joke. That's for our fans. Um, but yeah, Bing Crosby and Bill Hope, uh, uh, Bob Hope, ugh, they did a lot of shows together and they would often like t- um, make fun of effeminate men. Bob Hope, like that was his character. He was a slightly effeminate guy. He made a lot of gay references. They kissed in a lot of shows, of course, all to ridicule. But before, that was in like the 30s and the 40s. But before that, in the 20s, you know, that was men were pre- presented in a more effeminate way on television and there was nothing um uncomfortable about it and there was nothing wrong with it i don't that's not the word i'm searching for but those two words will do yeah so um as with any other research on lgbt history you see this period of time where hey everything's great Mm -hmm. um and then a few religious people <laughs> get their panties in say a, you know the christians and catholics say who, are christians but and catholics the same people they are the same you know what though it's actually an interesting point because a lot of protestants so if you're lutheran methodist baptist whatever a lot of protestants don't think that catholics are christians like they put them in a whole separate category but the catholics actually like were the first Christians, they formed Christianity, and then the Protestants broke away from them with Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but the first Martin Luther nailing his ninety-five theses to the door of the Catholic Church. That's that's a whole other history lesson. The point is, yes, Christian and Catholics are the same fucking people. You have Protestant and Catholics. That's the two distinctions. They both fall under the umbrella of Christianity. so uh you get these this period of time where everybody's happy everybody's doing whatever the fuck they want being as happy as they should be because you know what you're human and you won't get to live one life and then you know you get the religious people who suddenly get in power like mike pence and trump and Mm -hmm. suddenly trump's not religious he's just playing on it no go ahead he's playing on it because he's getting puppeteered by mike pence um yeah but then they get in power and they get power inmates tell yes um, suddenly all of the progress we've made and the openness we've had yeah. in the community suddenly slowly, you know, month after month gets chipped away at until suddenly 
people have to be back in the closet again or mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe not everybody goes back in the closet but suddenly violence against the queer community breaks out yeah. and things just go to shit for us again well Chris, some Christians we're not bashing Christians but this is just this is just history and how it evolves and you can take it however you want they pounce when religious right fanatics pounce whenever a country's vulnerable. So the 1920s was a, a great time. You, I mean, there was a lot of social progress being made on all counts. And then you have the, the stock market crash of 1929 and the country goes into the Great Depression. And in the Great Depression, there's some evangelical preachers that start to rise up. One of the most notorious was a man named Billy Sunday. And they start going around and they start like... Preaching. That was his name. His Billy name Sunday. was Billy Sunday. Yes, his Sunday. name was Billy Sunday. Okay. Was his last name really Sunday? It was Sunday. It wasn't like a pseudonym. No, it was. His name was Billy Sunday. <laughs> of course, he's a fucking event. Of course, he's he like was. A preacher. So you know, they start ri- rising up and they start preaching. You're like, this happened. This dark time has happened because God is judging America for the sins of the 1920s. And people start buying into that bullshit. Like, yeah, you're right. We fucked up. We started letting women wear pants and pubs and the flapper girls and women had the right to vote and, and the gays are taking over television. We better get our shit together. So how can we fix this? I know. Let's find the weakest, smallest community. Mm-hmm. The Jews. Oh, wait. Yeah. That was another time. That was that was right after this. The Jews, yeah. <laughs> that's what I say. That's what they found. That's, they found the Jews. That's what always happens. Yeah. Some religious zealot gets in power. Yeah. They find a vulnerable so. community who is a small minority and they can just convince the majority of people that, hey, these guys are the cause of all of our problems. Oh, they blame it. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that is what Hitler did. I mean, he blamed, you know, World War One happened and Germany fell and Germany was embarrassed and was in financial ruin. And then Hitler comes into play and he's like, you know, who did all of this to us? The Jews did it. And everyone's like, yeah, the Jews did it. And so, you know, they start rounding up minorities and America... Wasn't much better. I mean, yeah, we didn't have concentration camps. We didn't kill six million Jews. We were still round. We were still excluding Jews. We were still, um, you know, locking homosexuals away and transgender individuals away in uh, asylums. We were rounding up all the uh, Japanese Americans, mm-hmm. or really any Asian Americans, but especially Japanese they Americans. They had their own concentration and concentration camps. camps. They were not killed. But yeah. they... We didn't... No, we didn't put them in ovens, but it, don't pretend like... It's not... You can't be like, well, they did this, so it's okay that we did this. No, no. What we did was wrong. There's no way around it. There's no way to look at it. Billy Hines... What, Haynes or Hines? Haynes. <laughs> I always do this. I say it right now. Billy Haynes was one of the highest grossing actors of the late 1920s and 1930s and was actually an open homosexual in the studio world. Though uh, he was not out in the general public sphere... He lived with his partner, and the two would attend award shows and events together. However, <laughs> it's happening. Oh my god, what is it? It's because I talk about the gays. <laughs> However, in 1933, Haynes was arrested while having sex with a sailor at the YMCA. The executives at MGM, Haynes Studio, gave him an, an ultimatum. Have a sham marriage to dissolve the rumors or break his contract. Haynes refused to deny his sexuality, and his contract is voided on the spot. Two years later, he would leave acting forever. However, Haynes got the last laugh. He and his partner, Jimmy Shields, went on to build the biggest and wealthiest interior design studio in the country. Pause. 
Of well, course they did interior design. Of course. I mean, we don't want to go with stereotypes, but I'm just saying. He could have opened a flower shop. <laughs> Those were his options. We're just saying he didn't He didn't open a butcher shop. That's it. Or a gym. <laughs> or a gym. Oh, actually, Jim is pretty gay. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it. we probably will have an episode in the far future about gyms. Gym culture? Gym culture. Yeah. Yeah. Though, uh, but despite this, fame and money still could not protect the men from harassment. In June of 1936, 100 white supremacists descended upon the two men's home in Manhattan and dragged them outside, beating them mercilessly. Though the incident was reported all over the nation, the police of Manhattan never charged anyone with assault. Jimmy and Billy healed and moved to Brentwood, California. The two remained together until Billy's death in 1973. They had been together for 47 years. So yeah, so the the incident there was uh, they when they descended, they the white supremacist group said that um, Billy and Jimmy had propositioned one of their sons. One of the guys said, but they they when they researched it, there were like when um, investigators looked into it, there was absolutely no uh, substance to it. To the rumor, it was a, a complete fabrication, but the police still never charged anyone. A hundred people dragged these men out onto a beach and beat them, in a, and the police are like, I don't know, we didn't see anything. You know what, though? We really need straight pride. Yeah. This oh, happens yeah. all the time to the straight. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're definitely dragged out of their homes and beaten in the streets just because they you know, By love someone. a hundred fucking people. A hundred people. Like, t- what the hell? I don't even know. That's like, like a what? street full... That's enough to fill my street. Mm-hmm. Hundred people. It's terrifying. That's. I. They, <laughs> they thought they were gonna die that night. There's yeah. no way that they thought they were getting out of that alive. And luckily, no, you know, I'm sure they got the shit beat out of them. Luckily, they lived. Yeah. Um. That's. I mean, I just can't imagine. I can't really imagine much more how terrifying, terrifying that is. Yeah. It's awful. So a Hollywood sharp turn on Billy Haynes signified a shift in the social perception of LGBTQ individuals. In the 1920s, it seemed that America was progressing. Its in its views on queer people. However, the rise of communism and McCarthyism cut this progress short. Suddenly, homosexual was synonymous with communist and traitor. In 1933, Hollywood released a production code which stated that the world that the word homosexual could not be uttered and that homosexuality could not be displayed in any sort of positive fashion. Now, actors were on the defensive and the slightest accusation had to be challenged. Rudolph Valentino was a rising star in the 20s whose slightly feminine characteristics were considered attractive by many women, like Prince or Michael Jackson. Exactly. He portrayed a softer side to men, and that made some people uncomfortable and others suspicious. So if you were like feeling really uncomfortable by this guy as a man, it's probably because you were probably attracted to him and you're like, no, Something. I'm straight. Something was They're, going on. I'm straight, and this man is giving me feelings, so clearly <laughs> clearly he's doing something wrong. Yeah, it's it's and this is like when we start to see like the rise of the all-American boy and everything, because before then, you know, uh, it was more European, and I, when I say European, I mean Europeans usually were more considered more... F- feminine or effeminate and then i was like america took over like we can't be like that we gotta have this tough manly man and you know we see gender roles start to get even stricter eventually the rumors began to fly and valentino faced them with high indignation he did not handle the rumors well he was very offended by them um as far as whether or not he actually was gay there were mixed reviews but he was like very, like I said, he was very offended by the accusation that he might be gay. Yes, because at this time, 
if you were gay, you basically just got fired. And your career was over. You were no longer a star. You were blacklisted from everything. Mm -hmm. You were basically shamed for being gay. And And, when uh, Hollywood, the thing that basically gives everybody their mainstream media is doing this, you can only imagine what it does to a country. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's the thing. It's like, uh, there's all these gay characters in Hollywood, working in Hollywood. They're having a great time in the 1920s. And all of a sudden, in 1933, the guy who ran it actually, um, his name was William Hayes, not to be confused with Billy Haynes, but William Hayes ran like the, um, the Actors Guild and did this he made he made sure this production code was enforced and that it like really starts shifting it like, like gay is wrong it's a it, like if hollywood had just taken a different turn at this point in history i wonder how much longer we would have had to wait for lgbt rights we might not have even needed stonewall there may never right. have been a need for any of that uh we may not have seen the death of many many trans people in this country due mm-hmm. to violence you know right. or any other lgbt member due to the hate and um ignorance of different groups of people of of of, yeah like you said hate and ignorance it's ignorance the hate due that's due to ignorance because people just didn't know and they're not you don't see anyone betrayed uh portrayed like you i remember i was 22 years old almost 23 i was still in my ifb cult and it was the first and i watched the show glee with Chris Colfer and several uh, characters, but like it was the first season and Chris Colfer was the first gay person I ever saw on TV. Now I know that there had been other gay characters for many years before this, but because of my sheltered life, I had never seen any. And this was the first person that I saw in a positive light and within just a few months I came out. That was all I needed. So you wonder if in the 30s and 40s, if young people had been allowed to see gay people portrayed in a positive light, how that would have affected them. It would have... If you see people portrayed in a positive positive light, you like you just develop an understanding that these are just fucking people yeah. just like you. Who was the first person you ever saw portrayed? I grew up not as sheltered as you, still in mm-hmm. Indiana, so not mm-hmm. nearly as progressive as anywhere else, and I watched, you know, TV um and the earliest person that I can remember is probably Angli as well. Yeah. Um, and I must have been at least 19. Yeah, you were, I, you're younger than me, so... Yeah, yeah, I can't think of... I mean, maybe there was, like, a character on a TV show that, like, got a cameo and, like, yeah. came on and the was friend. like... Yeah, the friend. Maybe that. But I can't remember a main character or even a, a main supporting character besides, like, the dead trans, trans woman on CSI. Yeah. That was on, like, every other episode. Oh, God, yeah. That, like, w- was portrayed on tv mm-hmm. i i mean maybe a, a an episode of will and grace that yeah. i somehow caught you know mm-hmm. randomly as it was on tv but i can't remember a series prior to glee that really kind of shed light on that for me yeah glee and, and yeah it was great it helped me it made me understand like hey you know what they're all happy yeah. they are living their lives in their gay they're being portrayed in this great light they're having a good time yeah well glee was geared towards teenagers and that was what was like big about it because will and grace that was for young adults a lot of parents wouldn't even let their kids watch will and grace even if they were even liberal parents were like ah you're not really suited for that yeah they have some minor light adult humor yeah but yeah you know so i guess it depends but yeah but glee was for teenagers about teenagers you know Mm -hmm. um so, you know, so we, so like I said, we see this and, um, 
Valentino got very so like back to Rudolph Valentino he's very insulted by these rumors that he might be gay and he started challenging his accusers to duels and boxing matches like constantly he was trying to prove his manliness and these boxing matches took a toll on him because constantly fighting anyone who accused him of being gay on August 15, 1926 he collapsed at his hotel doctors diagnosed him with appendicitis and 8 and 8 days later he died over 100,000 people lined the streets for his funeral. Their immense grief eventually caused the crowd to erupt into an all-day riot. Now, do we know if this appendicitis was due to, like, just his health, or was it due to, like, him just getting hit and hit and hit? I couldn't, I couldn't find information to really, I looked for that, so I don't know. It certainly didn't help. Like, people alluded to it, that it could have caused, it, it, it could have mm-hmm. been, he also was a heavy drinker. Oh, um, well... You know, when you're trying to save your <laughs> career because you're... Well, again, we don't know if he was gay. Mm-hmm. But if you think about, like, you could lose your entire career just because people are saying you're gay. So you have to fucking fight people. <laughs> exactly. To prove that you're not. That's a really fucked up system. Yeah, that's a lot of stress on a body. You're going to drink a little more. But it shows that even with all these rumors, people still loved him. A 100,000 people came to his funeral and then rioted in the streets because they were so grieved over his death. Right. You know, so, and that's another, it's like another lie that like, oh, the gay, gay people are bad. Nobody likes gay people. They're, they're, they're the deviants of society. People love them. People love homosexuals because we're fabulous. Absolutely. I mean, most of us. But yeah, mo- depends. The LGBTQ, <laughs> queer communities, people that are true to themselves, you know, not just homosexuals, transgender individuals, non-binary folk, anyone who's true to themselves, I feel like people are just attracted to that truth and that honesty. Absolutely. So as the public became more attached to their stars, executives became more strict in their control of their uh, investments. Signing a deal meant one had no control over their lives, especially when it came to partying and sex. Lavender marriages, a term used for sham marriages, became more and more common as managers sought to dispel any chance of rumors surrounding their clients. One Hollywood legend was subjected to five of these fake marriages, Cary Grant. Grant exploded onto the stage in the mid 1930s and was a successful almost in, and was a success almost instantly. Six foot two, charming as hell, and devastatingly handsome, uh, Grant was the epi- epitome epitome. <laughs> <laughs> charming as hell and devastatingly handsome, Grant was the epitome of the all-American man. Even though he himself was an Englishman, he shared the screen with some of the most well-known actresses in cinema history: Mae West, Audrey Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn, Grace Kelly. He worked for Alfred Hitchcock and Frank Capra, uh, the leading directors of the day. Cary Grant was huge, and he was also hugely gay. His long-term part, his longtime partner Randolph Scott, was also an actor, and in fact, the two played opposite each other in the comedy *My Favorite Wife*, which is my favorite, one of my favorite old movies. Cary Grant is huge to me. I I love Cary Grant. So much. I as a kid, I was only allowed to watch like 1940s, 1950s movies because that was the perfect time in Hollywood when we didn't have all these dirty, whatever. Um, and so I watched. I've seen. I think I've seen every single Cary Grant movie. They let you watch Cary times. Grant even though he was gay. They didn't know he was gay. My parents. Well, my mom. I remember my mom telling me. Oh, who was another one? Oh, there was another good one. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember his name. But I remember my mom like. I had heard, like, as a teenager as, that he was gay, and I asked my mom, she's like, no, honey, that's just rumors that people spread, because, you know, the, the, the gay agenda is to try to make us think that everybody's gay, 
so that we'll be okay with it. But we're not going to fall for those lies. I was like, okay, mom, you're right. But no, he was actually really, really <laughs> He's living with his, uh, his partner. I don't know if they were ever married. Were they? Well, well they, they could have No, I mean. Oops. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, gay people couldn't get married, everybody. Exactly, right, yeah. Let's have a straight pride. So, uh, Cary Grant and his partner lived together off and on. Always being broken apart by the executives when it came time for Grant to take a new wife and dispel the rumors. This caused the actor immense pain and he attempted suicide more than once, though some attribute these attempts to slumps in his career. However, it must be noted that when Grant was forcibly removed from Scott, he often underwent nervous breakdowns and his drinking would increase. Despite many knowing of Grant's sexual orientation, he still denied the rumors to his death. Even suing actor Chevy Chase in the 1970s when Chase called Grant what everyone else when El- what everyone already knew he was a homo. Yeah, it's really sad because you know Grant was just such an amazing actor. He played every role. He played comedies. He played drama. I'm a huge. I'm also a huge Alfred Hitchcock fan, and he starred in so many Notorious and To Catch a Thief, and he's just a great actor all around. And you know, at least on the screen, he always seemed like the really bubbly, upbeat person. But behind it all, he was struggling. He was he was struggling with his drinking. He was struggling with these breakdowns. And he was attempting suicide and going through one marriage after another, trying to keep up these appearances and, you know, and just constantly being separated from Scott. And, it you know, it's really sad. Do we yeah. know if he was ever um, diagnosed with depression or anything? Or do we think it was just like the stress and anxiety caused by basically being forced mm-hmm. to live a life and being forcibly separated from his partner who he loved. I don't know if he was diagnosed with depression. I remember at this time now, like, I mean, he lived until the, the 80s, but he, um, uh, mental illness, of course, was not being, was not treated very often, you know. And if he had been treated, people would probably would have said, well, the reason you're depressed is because you're gay, not the reason that you're depressed is because people's perceptions of gay individuals, but it's because you're gay, gay makes you depressed, you know. Because gay is an illness. Absolutely, homosexuality. As the gay rights movement began to evolve in the 1950s and 60s, Hollywood remained the same. Actors like James Dean and Marlon Brando faced off rumors of their same-sex attraction, which Marlon Brando has admitted that he's had uh, had in the past. He, uh, of course, he's not still alive. Um, he admitted that he had affairs with men, but he I don't know if he was gay or if he was bisexual. He seemed to just... Somebody... Uh, there was a famous... I think it was... Um, I want to say Lionel Richie, but I could be wrong. Forgive me, but there was someone who once said Marlon Brando will fuck anything that walks. Maybe he so, was pansexual. He could be. I think he just liked to have sex. Tab Hunter was a wildly famous ladies' man of the fifties and was outed and promptly erased from the big screen. He was huge. He was like the Zac Efron of his time. You know, he was this big guy. He was this big, really handsome guy. Like, oh my god! And um, he got outed in. Um, he got outed later on, and just like completely dropped you know, off the face. He would have been like a Cary Grant legend if he had been able to remain in Hollywood. While women didn't have it any easier, they did seem to be able to fly under the radar more. Marilyn Monroe once spoke of a brief affair she had with Joan Crawford. According to her, Crawford was very displeased when Monroe informed her that she, Marilyn, really didn't swing that way. So Marilyn like told the story of just like, it looks like they kind of messed around and then Joan Crawford wanted to go further and, and Marilyn was just like, no, it's not my thing. I was just having fun. I was having a good time. Exactly. She's just being Marilyn, right? Marlene Dietrich was an actress and bisexual with a particular fondness for women. 
and she was notorious for pushing gender roles and just standards for women. In the 1930 film Morocco, she dressed as a man and kissed a woman, uh, all in good fun, of course. There was, you know, she had to do it in a comedic sort of way, but just her wearing pants on screen was big. In fact, it was women who wore pants were just considered lesbians at the time. Right, and didn't she actually bring this into, like, a fashion thing? Like, yeah. As, like, hey, this is mm-hmm. what we're going to do. Yeah, she was. She, yeah, she brought it as a, as a fashion statement, and I think the fact that she was so bisexual, I, I don't think she was uh, hiding being a lesbian. She had um, she had affairs with several, with several, with many, many men. Um, Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne, Gary Cooper, a lot of the big stars. If you know your um, early, your golden age of Hollywood at, at all, you know all of those stars. So, I mean, she had affairs with lots of men, but she also had affairs with a lot of women. Um, Greta Garbo, Mercedes de Acosta, which is, who is an author. Um, and so she, she was all over the place. I think she, you know, she really was a bisexual, but she was fighting in some ways for, you know, well, she was definitely fighting for women's rights. And, you know, she was a strong feminist. She was also fighting for LGBTQ rights as much as she could. Um, she was married several times and that also helped. It goes back to that lie of there's no, no such thing as a real lesbian, right? Or, you know, sure, she's bisexual. She likes to have fun, but, you know, there's no such thing as a real bisexual. It's just a girl that likes to unwind and have a good time, but at the end of the day, she wants to come back to her man. Um, she would often refer to her under, underground lesbian world as the sewing circle. And with the amount of time she frequented it, she must have been a master seamstress. Oh my God, her sewing circle. She probably had so many good looks. <laughs> right? <laughs> so the taboo subject of being gay in Hollywood was forced into the spotlight with the passing of one of cinema's most prominent stars, uh, Rock Hudson. Hudson would appear in almost 70 films during his lifetime, as well as television series and movies. He was nominated for his 1956 role in Giant and became a household name. Like most gay actors of the time, Rock was forced into a lavender marriage with his secretary after a tabloid broke the news that he was a homosexual. Three years later, Hudson's wife would file for divorce, citing mental cruelty. It seems she truly loved Rock and perhaps even thought she could change him. Yeah, she she says that she, according to her, they lived together for, um, they dated for several months and then they lived together for two months and then all of a sudden he surprised her with a proposal. I, th- I think she really, I don't know if she was completely oblivious, but I think she really like was in love with him and thought that maybe like... I don't know. Like she I said, thought, she had the voodoo pussy. Yeah, that could change him. Exactly. She thought, you know, he just likes to have fun, and he's a man of he's a man of the world, which you know was just another term for someone who sex. You know, they, they weren't gay, but they just like to have sex. You know, and the like it says she, you know, she cited mental cruelty because it, he was very withdrawn. Like he just wasn't interested. It was a sham marriage. He didn't want to be with her. He wanted to be with his boyfriends and. You know she couldn't take it, so you know they. Uh, so she couldn't. She couldn't change him, and um, you know their marriage continued, but he never like stopped. Right. Sleeping. So he continued to have affairs um, throughout the marriage and even after. It was rumored he quote unquote married Andy Griffith star Jim Neighbors, who played the character Gomer Pyle. Again, despite the insistent rumors and the emergence of the gay revolution, we're now past Stonewall. Hudson denied that he was gay. 
Even after being diagnosed with AIDS, he denied his homosexuality and, in fact, denied his disease to the public. On October 2nd, 1985, Hudson died, making him the first prominent movie star to die of AIDS. His good friend Elizabeth Taylor helped to form the Foundation for AIDS Research just before Hudson's death. He was the first contributor, donating $250,000. Yeah, Hudson's story is particularly fucked up because... First of all, he's a huge star. It's in the 80s. He's dying of AIDS, all right? Everybody knows he's dying of AIDS. The story breaks that he is, and Hudson continues to deny it, which was offensive to a lot of people in the gay community, especially now because AIDS epidemic is blowing up, right? And nobody in the gay community, the queer community, can get anyone to listen to them. Ronald Reagan's is ignoring it. And this one person who has so much power and so much mm-hmm. spots, like, like, nope. Don't know what you guys are talking exactly. about. Exactly. He's just denying it. And Sorry denying about your it. struggles. I know I could do a lot for you guys, but you know what? My career, my career, my career. Even though he's dying. He's dying. You're not, you have no career. You have nothing left to live for. You know you're going to die. I don't... It, it's it hard is, to recognize It's hard him. because he had his life, his goals, his passion, and you can't... You can't... I mean... You can't really say someone's terrible for wanting to do best... For, it's not our place to out people, but you could still be frustrated with what you could have done if you could come out. You're right. I can't tell you to out yourself. It's no, it's never right to out in person. It's never right to tell someone when they should come out. But it's okay to be frustrated that they didn't when they could have done so much good. And that one act by them could have saved so many lives. Exactly. Yeah. So like, like you said, I mean, the AIDS epidemic is raging. He was friends with Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan, and they still continued to ignore it. I mean, the Reagans were just awful. God. Um, you know, they continue to ignore it. Thousands of people are dying. No one's doing anything for them. And this Hollywood star is there. He And he just... And like I said, it wasn't just that he denied that he was gay. He denied that he even had AIDS until just like a few weeks before his death when the AIDS, you know, research foundation was formed. It was formed by several people, but Elizabeth Taylor was the big name behind it, the celebrity name. And, you know, and, and then he made the contribution, but then he, then he passed away and yeah, but it did open the dialogue. So Hudson's death spun Hollywood and the rest of the American public into an open dialogue about LGBTQ individuals. Just eight years later, Tom Hanks would play his infamous Oscar winning role in a Philadelphia story. A few years later, Hillary Swank would play Brendan Tina in Boys Don't Cry. While the conversation about queer individuals was finally being spoke about in a positive way, LGBTQ actors and actresses still were not safe to come out and certainly weren't getting cast in any roles. In 1997, Ella DeGeneres, I don't know if you know who she is, would come, (laughs) never, who's she? (laughs) Ella DeGeneres would come out on her sitcom of the same name, The Ellen Show, and within a year had her show canceled and was essentially exiled for the next two years. Right, so they'd say, hey, you know what? We, We have some gay people on TV. They're great, but they didn't cast gay people in these roles. Oh yeah, no, they did. And then when one did, when Ellen like comes out and's like, hey, how about I be a, I'm a lesbian, why don't I play a lesbian on TV? People are like, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't actually have gay people there. We just wanted to pretend that we were okay with it. Yeah, I don't, and I was thinking about this because I was watching a clip uh, recently of Ellen like facing people after she came out. Like she was on talk shows and people were just awful to her. She would sit there on these shows and people in the audience would say all kinds of awful things to her. Like, how are my kids supposed to watch this on TV? What kind of message are you presenting? Why, if you're going to do something, just do it in the privacy of your own, own home. And people forget 
what Ellen went through. Like, she went through hell. Like, now, it's great, but, I mean, she went through hell for years. Mm -hmm. She was basically exiled. Like, she, you know... Yeah, she didn't just come out and say, hey, guys, I'm a lesbian. And Hollywood was like, oh, my God, yes, the world changed. She got her own talk show. She got shit on every day Hollywood took their back on her. Hollywood turned their back on her. They dropped her. They said, nobody wants to hear this. Nobody wants to see you. And they turned their back. And even later... When she did come back, she had to go, like we saw, it was in a non-sexual role. Like, she finally started to make it big once she got her talk show. But like we said, it wasn't, it was non-sexual. She couldn't do, play an actual TV character that might have relationships and might date. She could just be a talk show host as the lesbian next door, as someone said. Right. With the launch of Will and Grace in 1998, the big screen saw the LGBT community in a new light. However, only one cast member was actually gay. And even five years later, when Vanity Fair declared TV's gay heat wave, of the six people on the cover, again, only one of them was actually gay. Though we continue to progress, we still see a hesitancy to cast queer characters, even in queer roles. And coming out is still often seen as negative to a star's career. Right. Think of, like, even think today, we more and more people start to come out, but... How many rumors are there around big stars, big stars? Like John Travolta has had rumors circling him for years. Tom Cruise has had rumors, which part of him not coming out might be his ties to Scientology, which is very anti-gay. Don't let them fucking bullshit you. Don't get caught up in Scientology, kids. All right. But, you know, there there's a lot of reasons, but there's a lot of big stars. Even Taylor Swift. I don't know that she's gay or bisexual, but there's been a lot of star like rumors. She's got really close like female friends like closer than the average female but i don't know again um that's just me fitting in with society's gender roles and gender expectations and sexual expectations but and also fantasizing a little bit yeah (laughs) (laughs) can you blame me so no but like there's all these like who are the big names like the big names like the biggest name is Ellen like who there's there's all these stars that have had rumors circling them for years and they don't come out mm-hmm. you know uh we got a few we got like Ellen Page has come out she's bigger not huge stars like Hugh Grant you know there was a lot of rumors that Hugh Grant was gay like he was really starting to take off in his career and all of a sudden these rumors started popping up that he was gay and then he starts dating I don't remember who. It was a beautiful, beautiful woman. I'm sure everyone will remind us who it is. And um, anyways, um, so Hugh Grant is dating this this beautiful star. And um, and then it breaks that he's had uh, sex with a prostitute. And it was a, it was a female prostitute. And so people... Do you have... Was it a female... Did we ever look up if she was... Yeah, she was not trans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he has sex with a female prostitute, and all of a sudden, the, the, like, all the rumors go away, right? So, right, yeah. So in summary, people are like, oh my god, you're gay. He marries a woman, then gets dates, caught... He's dating a woman. Oh, yeah. sorry. He's dating a woman, then he gets caught having an affair... With another with a, woman. With another woman, a prostitute, and his car, and everybody's like, no way, you're gay. I guess you're oh not gay, god. right? Yeah, how convenient. I mean, I don't know if he is or not, but the point is that like, you look at one... You're one... committing adultery, but it's not as bad as gay. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, but he, you know, you look at one star after another that's been accused and none of these guys are gay. None of them. I, I don't know. Maybe, but statistically, probably not. The rain resource, by the way, was Gay Hollywood. The Last Taboo is a documentary that was released. Um, we also used the reference, The Gay 100, which is a, a book that you get. It's actually a really informative book. It's a good poop book. 
meaning you can put it on the back of your toilet, read a page about a gay person in history, put it back. I like good poop books. Make sure you don't wipe in between turning pages, please. Wipe, just don't get it on the pages. Well, I think another thing that, <laughs> that crops up now and kind of where we're at, now it's really big. It's like good for someone's career to pay, play a gay person. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like every main leading man in Hollywood is playing a gay person. Michael Douglas, Matt Damon, Jude Law, um, who are some, Tom Hanks, of course. Everyone. So Everyone. It's basically like if you play a gay actor or a gay character, sorry, you're going to get uh, way more attention than if you don't play a gay you're gonna character. Get a, you're going to get an award. Well, now it's transgender. Like it was for a long time. It was like if you play a gay person, you're going to be nominated for award. Now, if you play a transgender person, we're going to nominate you for award. So maybe that's why fucking Scarlett Johansson did it because she just wants to get a goddamn award. But all this time, there's... But there, all there this are, time. There are some, you know, gay or trans people playing these uh, roles, gay or trans, Couple, but yeah. very, very few and far between. It's almost always cis, straight people playing Exactly. Not roles. even queer people. Not even non-binary folk. It's just like it's straight, cisgender people that are getting these roles. You know what really shock, shocked me? One fact that we came across was that of the cast of Queers Folk, which if you've never watched Queers Folk, that's one of your sources that you need to watch. Queers Folk or... Make sure you don't watch, don't watch it with your parents. No, don't watch it with your parents. <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. But <laughs> Queers Folk, which was the huge show... Um, they, they, most of the people were straight. Like that shocked me because it was a small show and I just figured that they, I just assumed the best that they would hire, um, transgender, uh, or not transgender. I assumed that they would hire gay people to play this very gay show. It was really gay. Oh, so gay. One great show that's on right now, it's called Pose and it is about like the drag scene and transgender women and most of the cast. It has the most transgender cast. Trans. It has the most transgender people. Is, in it has the cast of the most. It has more. <laughs> it has the most. The highest percentage of trans. <laughs> it has the highest percentage. <laughs> it is so late at night. I got this. It has the most transgender individuals on their employment than any other show. I don't know if that came out right. The point is, what pose? <laughs> so we're recording this episode at 10 o'clock at night. And we're yeah. both kind of old souls, so we're usually in bed by like 9. Yeah, this is late for us. But we made it. We made it. We made it. You know what? We're here, and we're queer. Get used to it. <laughs> so anyway, so we hope you enjoyed. This is just a rundown of kind of like the double standard in Hollywood. It has to do with today's topic. We hope you enjoyed some of the history that we had. Like we said, for our um, resources, Gay Hollywood, The Last Taboo, check it out. You Also, The Gay 100. 100 um, and I feel like there was something else we were supposed to talk about, but I can't remember. Maybe not. And watch Queers Folk and watch Pose. That's your assignment. That's your homework. And make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Your Queer Story. We post different information on every single... Um, social media yep so make sure you subscribe to every single one also subscribe to us on itunes or google or stitcher um and stay queer stay queer don't get a lobotomy you beautiful sathis and we love you little queerstians bye. bye thanks for listening remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at your queer story like what you heard 
Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.